fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. John Wright it is. Welcome into the program. What's up? Welcome into it. Happy Friday. Making it to the end of the week. Baby, pat yourself on the back. It's an exciting day. You scream, I scream, we all scream for ice cream on a Friday scream. That's what it's all about. Welcome into the program broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, multiple radio stations, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show. We love you to death. Always appreciate you hanging out with us today. Your Millennial General reporting for duty like we do every single day. Big show today, man. We got a lot to talk about as usual. Bottom of the hour, Christian Watson will be joining. He is the host of the Pensive Politics Podcast. Because as you know, it is Pride Month. Pride can be used in a very generic term on however you'd like to actually celebrate Pride. (laughs) Uh, We also have Black History Month this month as well. Monday, the markets are closed as we celebrate Juneteenth which we'll get into in a little bit later as well. i got no problem celebrating Juneteenth. I think that's a big holiday, and we should recognize it. So we'll talk about that and more coming up at the bottom of the hour. But Pride Month and Black History Month, are they not meshing together? Is it like the oil and water where they're not supposed to blend? And are we seeing a little bit of a um, pushback from progressives who just don't understand why people aren't getting on board with their movement just as much as they are with Black History Month? Uh, And are they taking it away from others that already had the month? We'll do that here in just a bit. We'll have some fun with it. So welcome into, uh, I I have to laugh because I always make fun of, obviously, the millennial generation, my generation, a little bit younger, the late 20s, early 30s, mid 30s, even a little bit, pushing that boundary for that millennial generation. But we sometimes like the nostalgia a little bit too much. We really do. We we enjoy our childhood memories just a little bit too much, which is why we're on Spider-Man movie number 54, because we can't stop making new Spider-Man movies. We continue to punch out X-Men movies and uh, Marvel movies and DC movies. And I don't follow them. I don't know which ones are which. I don't really care because I'm not into those in any way, shape or form. But the nostalgia needs to stop, man. Or does it? Is the line being crossed a little bit too much in trying to embrace our childhood or because we have to be honest. I know that other generations say that their childhood was the best. Uh, When it came to cartoons and games and certain things, my generation, the last one before computers and iPads and video games, or at least massive video games and social media and all that took over for the younger generations, my generation was like the last one to enjoy an actual childhood without a screen in front of us all the time. But when we did have it, then we got to enjoy some really cool stuff because Got to admit, cartoons were kind of awesome in the 90s and early 2000s. We have to, I mean, everybody can admit that, right? They they were pretty much the best cartoon era of all time. But the nostalgia of my generation wanting to pretend and remain in that childlike mentality and that childlike mindset is maybe crossing the line a little bit too much. I know that they say that age is only, as, you're only as young or as old as you act or you think you are. I understand that. I understand trying to keep a young mentality. Sometimes I feel like I'm a little bit older than I really need to be, and I need to like lighten up a little bit and enjoy. But come on, man. There is there a line that we should be drawing on like adulthood, and we're really trying to hang on to our youth? Now, I'm not talking about the creepy guy that 
like shows up to stuff when he's 40 years old that has like the straight build cap and the really like really heavy bling bling things acting like he's 15 years old as like a skater punk. I'm not talking about him. I am talking about that there are two major fascinations with my generation that are trying to hold on to their youth. Number one, and this was like, I don't know, six, eight months ago, maybe a year ago that we talked about it was they have Nerf gun arenas, kind of like paintball arenas. But there are Nerf gun arenas for for adults, my age, adults that like to use Nerf guns still because they enjoy that and they think that it's their nice little stress reliever and they get to go back and remember the childhood where we get to run around with Nerf guns. I understand, but at the same time, maybe a little childish. I don't know. There's, I guess the question is, where's the line before you, you know, don't want to act old, but yet you don't want to be an infant child. You just want to be like adult child you want to be fun as an early adult and have fun where's that line drawn now apparently according to the wall street journal they have adult only bouncy houses oh yes oh yes adult only bouncy houses because now parents that are 29 30 32 33 years old want to jump in bouncy houses so i re <laughs> i know i reiterate the question Where's the line drawn between adults that want to stay young and act young and then the adults that actually just want to be infants jumping in a bouncy house? I'm telling you, anybody, show of hands, anybody that want to invest with me, I know perfect ways to actually become a multimillionaire in today's society, and that is to invest and start uh, different businesses with Nerf gun arenas and bouncy houses. Good golly. The world we live in today. And we wonder why the millennial generation doesn't act like they're adults or even sees themselves as an adult until like the age of 30 because we're still jumping in bouncy houses. I'm, I'm wondering, like, are we going to see college kids in the rave, you know, different raves with the kind of stuff, and they everybody's like jumping around in a bouncy house with like the glow sticks and, oh, man, it's a weird world we live in today. Let's get into what's trending. What do you say? We got a lot to cover. What's trending today? So we have week number one of the launch of the Tucker Carlson program on the Tweety, which are right around anywhere from like, what, 8 to 10 to 12 minutes on the social media and getting massive amounts of numbers on there as the first one, episode one, was released on June 6th, I believe. Yeah, June 6th. So it came out on Monday this week, reaching 117.6 million individuals all the way up to yesterday evening's episode that was 13 minutes long. And so far, just a day into it, reaching 21.3 million impressions on the Tweety all by itself, blowing the ratings of Fox News out of the water with how popular this program is just on the Twitter alone. And yesterday's episode, I don't know if you have seen it, kind of hilarious because the first thing he does right out of the gate Go after Fox News for something that they've done. Fox News ran two live video feeds next to one another. On the right, Donald Trump addressed his supporters in New Jersey. On the left, Joe Biden spoke at an event for the Secretary General of NATO in Washington. Beneath those videos at the bottom of the screen, Fox's banner read this way, quote, wannabe dictator speaks at the White House after having his political rival arrested. <laughs> All right, before we go any further... That's hilarious. Well done, and I applaud Fox News. That's great. That's something you see on, like, the Babylon Bee or the Onion or something. Wannabe dictator speaks at the White House. Wannabe dictator. Those are some tough words, man. Wannabe dictator speaks at the White House after having his political rival arrested. I mean, it's honestly true, but dude, that's pretty impressive. Now, it didn't stay up for very long before it was taken down, and apparently the guy who wrote that into 
the text on the TV did not last very long at Fox News as well. And the political ramifications are already too much that the weak-spined Republican Fox News uh, corporate affiliates can handle. Those words were up for less than 30 seconds, but the effect was immediate. Inside Fox, the women who run the network panicked. First, they scolded the producer who put the banner on the screen. Less than 24 hours after that, he resigned. He'd been at Fox for more than a decade. He was considered one of the most capable people in the building. He offered to stay for the customary two weeks, but Fox told him to clear out his desk and leave immediately. Then the company issued a public apology for the 27-second-long wannabe dictator line. Quote, the Chiron was taken down immediately, Fox's PR department said, and then added ominously it was, quote, addressed. That was all true. But it was not enough to save Fox News from the ensuing scandal. I think we're starting to get a better picture of why Fox News sent Tucker Carlson a cease and desist order with this program. Not only is he still getting a paycheck from Fox News, but now that he's out of the limelight, out of the actual network itself, and while he's maybe getting paid still with a paycheck there because they don't want him to do a program, uh, he continues to release them even as of 5.30 Eastern time yesterday afternoon. And, uh, yeah, going after Fox News with not just the blunder of the wannabe dictator, which I think is hysterical, and I give major props to Fox News for even allowing that to happen. That's hilarious. But at the same time, uh, why he would even address that. Now, if you remember when Tucker Carlson left and he made his video, he said that he's been on the inside of media for far too long and he knows what goes on on the inside of news outlets and media outlets and how they actually come up with their news and what they're allowed and not allowed to cover. And the fact that he's focusing on scandalous media coverage is kind of interesting and very important, I think, from someone who's been on the inside and one of the most popular news anchors of all time, at least in recent history. And if he's going after Fox News... It's it, now he's going after the post, but then he's going to go after and he'll we'll play a little bit more of it in a minute. He'll talk about the ramifications and the outlash from the left. But the comment, honestly, in today's times, let's be honest, isn't really that much of a uh, shock and awe type of moment, is it? We've had for years under the Trump administration, we've literally had CNN, MSNBC and others that openly aired people on the TV broadcasting live that said they wanted to completely eliminate Donald Trump and eliminate his entire family. We had Madonna that broadcast live during the pink hat wearing rallies in Washington, D.C., saying that she openly wanted to blow up the White House. We've had Kathy Griffin that openly posted her picture of the decapitated Donald Trump. The CN, uh, CNBC and CNN ran the uh, whatever uh, Broadway play it was that was supposed to be assassinating a king or a president that was depicted as Donald Trump. This stuff ran all over the mainstream media for years. And we still have out uh, the mainstream media that's going after Donald Trump being the most horrible uh, human on the face of the earth. In fact, that audio we've been playing at Chuck Todd literally said that he was a guilty tyrant, is what they've been calling him. And they're okay with that. But yet the backlash for Fox News for having that up on there for 30 seconds, calling Joe Biden a wannabe dictator, which is honestly true, a guy who sanctioned the investigation against Donald Trump that allowed the FBI raid onto Mar-a-Lago, that uh, put in place the Attorney General Merrick Garland that uh, gave the green light for all of this to happen, the guy that knew about all of the bogus rushing claims all the way back when and gave the approval of with complete awareness and didn't do anything to prevent it. Yeah, kind of seems that way. Kind of seems like we have a wannabe dictator there wanting to silence a political opponent, specifically the one guy that's on the outside of the political system, as opposed to 
you know, someone like, oh, I don't know, Tim Scott and Ron DeSantis and those that are Republican that are somewhat conservative, but yet not really the outsiders that could disrupt the entire system because, again, they want the old school way of thinking of let's go back to the way things were before Trump when we could just do business and people went along with it. And this is the next step in that attack. Suggesting that Biden is a dictator, declared the Washington Post, quote, cross the line. Alexander Vindman agreed strongly. Vindman is the perennial MSNBC guest and full-time Ukraine promoter you may remember from Russiagate. On Twitter, he demanded that the Pentagon pull Fox News from all military bases. It is, quote, absolutely unacceptable for American Forces Network to carry programming that directly, spuriously, attacks the commander-in-chief of American Armed Forces, Vindman wrote. In other words, Joe Biden must ban all criticism of himself because that's what non-dictators do. <laughs> that's why we love Tucker Carlson, and he's absolutely right. Uh, it is fascinating that he goes after Fox, and the outlash is pretty intense against Fox News right now. The question is, will Fox News actually stand up and defend it? Of course not. They've already fired the guy, or I'm sorry, made him resign, and he's already out the door just a day after the event actually happened, showing that Fox even... Although maybe not in the best of taste, but going to the level of every mainstream media outlet for the past six years, can't handle the heat. And we can see the weaklings that continue to run that operation, which is why we're seeing conservatives move outside of the Fox News platform. Lots coming up for a Friday today on The Voice of Reason. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. 
There's a headline from BreitbartNews.com today in our What's Trending story. What's trending today? From Northwestern University College, or Northwestern U College, where college Republicans apparently have been battling uh, the university and the university's student body government just to get funding to allow them to hold events, because apparently they're not allowed to hold events, where according to the story from Breitbart, the Northwestern University student body pres- or student body government or the associated student government has been working to freeze funding from conservative student organizations on campus because they did not want them to be there. In fact, they openly had uh, quotes saying that they wanted to ban the funding because they couldn't stop the free speech from happening. But what they can control is how much money is available for these college Republican and conservative organizations to be able to bring these free speakers in to actually hold a conference or a rally or something of the sort. And... That's a little concerning, but they, at a young age, that's why it's so scary. At a young age, they're realizing, hey, we can't stop you from having freedom of speech. What we can do is just limit your exposure. According to Molly Wallen, the co-president of the ASG, the student government, quote, we can't prevent a speaker from coming to campus as student government, but that's done by administration. But we can focus our part, what we can control, which is student groups conducted, uh, the student conduct and student group finances. Man, they're learning at a young age. They're being taught the socialist control, the ones that are blaming Republicans for being Nazis, for being fascists, the ones that are promoting some type of cancel culture, the ones that are promoting some type of uh, agenda of uh, shadow banning or just banning outright or censorship. Realize at a young age that, hey, sure, you can have your freedom of speech. We're just not going to fund it to where you can actually afford to bring anybody in to do it. And isn't that exactly what the federal government's been doing to us for a long time? Sure, you can get a gun. We're just going to ban any type of credit card from being allowed to purchase it. We're not repealing the Second Amendment. We're just putting in red flag laws to where at any time a court order could be issued from someone with a quote-unquote concern to have law enforcement knock on your door and confiscate that because we're concerned about your health or the well-being of other individuals. We're not repealing the Second Amendment. We're just keeping you safe. We're not stopping your freedom of speech. We're just defunding you to where you can't hold any events to promote your freedom of speech. Funny how those back ways work behind the closed doors for the progressives and the elites, right? This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into the program here on a Friday, halfway through the program already. Crazy how it flies right on by. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that 5-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time on our multiple radio stations, plus TV, live streaming, podcasting. However you check us out, we always love you to death. Let's go ahead and wrap up this week. What do you say? We'll get back to... The funding issue, this university, by the way, they did win. College Republicans did win against this university's attempt, or at least the student body government's attempt, to block their funding to bring in certain speakers. This was to try and bring in James Lindsay, critical race theory opponent on uh, the campus. So Northwestern University going after the conservatives there with their associated student government, their ASG, saying, well, we can't ban your free speech, but we can block your funding. 
to allow speakers to come into the university because we really don't like you. Typical socialist agenda on that front, so kind of strange. Let's get into what's trending. What's trending today? What's trending today? Well, what's trending this month, man? There's a lot of things going on. A couple of days ago, we had Flag Day, which was amazing, and that was fun. You know, like an American flag, not one that's only pandering to certain groups across the nation. We have Monday coming up, which is Juneteenth, kind of an awesome holiday that we love to talk about on the program as the uh, official, unofficial recognition of the ending of slavery in the nation, I think definitely needs recognition. That goes right in tandem with Black History Month that we're in the middle of right now. And then on top of it, we have Pride Month. They don't specify the kind of pride except for waving really crazy flags. But at the same time, we have Pride Month and Black History Month. And it seems like even though the left side of the aisle seems to hold up both of those, they're kind of mixing like oil and water, which is quite fascinating to me because the individuals promoting the Pride Month are just dumbfounded why they're not getting as much recognition or publicity or excitement around Pride Month as much as Black History Month. To talk about some of that and more, happy to have on the program. He's a political commentator, also host of the podcast, the Pensive Politics Podcast, which you can find on YouTube and his social media as well. It's Mr. Christian Watson. Christian, how are you, my friend? Good. How are you? I am doing great. Appreciate you coming on the program. It is fascinating how we have both of these month awareness movements in the same month, and yet they try to claim that both are from the other side of the political aisle, but they don't understand why people aren't just as excited about one as opposed to the other. Why is that? That's very odd, isn't it? But the problem is all distinction, all difference, all meaning has been blurred and disturbed with this new leftist ideology that has swept across our country, and that's precisely why people who are proponents of particular variations in parts of that ideology are are dumbfounded when other parts of that ideology that they claim aren't connected together. This is the idea of intersectionality, that all these different characteristics about our our identity come together to tell us who is the most oppressed. And so just like the idea of intersectionality and its flaws, this approach is very simple-minded by thinking that the world revolves around your ideology. The world is far too complex to revolve around any one person's ideology. Instead, the world is a, a conglomerate, a combination of a bunch of different ideas that we as human beings have the ability to discover. I think that the right actually gets this in many cases, which is why the right makes cases for first principles and working on the basis of first principles. But you don't often hear the same thing talked about on the left. You hear concern for social inequity. You hear concern for social justice. You hear concern for marginalized groups as opposed to first principles. We have to get back to first principles. The first principles are the only consistent basis for any coherent analysis. That is true. Now, I want to clarify, I mean, Black History Month coming from the month of February, but going right into the Juneteenth celebration we have this month, do you think that the movement to almost – the support and try to force down our throats with this massive just PR agenda from corporations, from the government, from this, you know, very, very small population in the country of the LGBTQ community that's anywhere between five to seven percent of the nation's population. Do you think that they're trying to cram the Pride Month down our throat to try and redirect us from the ending of slavery and the celebration of Juneteenth because recognizing that historically the left side of the aisle is the one that actually fought against a lot of those, and they don't want that history being revealed. Well, I don't know their motivations, but I, can, I, I do know the consequences of what's happening. 
the consequences of having these kind of months, whether that be Black History Month, and I, as a black man myself, I'm not a big fan of that month, or whether it be Pride Month, whether it be Women's History Month, where all of these months reflect a cultural attitude that's quite unhealthy. Yeah. It's an attitude that venerates sacred cows um, just because it's been done throughout our history. But the truth is, black history is not confined to a month. Black history is not a set of events that happened in the 1960s or in 17, the 1770s. Black history is fundamentally American history, and we shouldn't try to attach a value to history by separating it into its own little category and giving it special treatment. All history has something to teach us, and conservatives understand this. Every part of American history, whether it be our warts, whether it be our, 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 our virtues, all of it has something to teach us. That's the approach we should take to history, as opposed to having this sort of biased viewpoint and then bifurcating our understanding in a different month. That is very true. The best analysis that I've heard of this came from Morgan Freeman when he said that the best way you get rid of racism, the best way you stop this identity politics garbage is to not talk about it. Like you said, I mean, we don't need a black history month because black history is American history and therefore we need to be taught all across the board. We don't need all these individualized identity politics separation type of holidays uh, to quote unquote learn about them when it's just already part of our history that we should be learning in general. But to segregate in that sense is the resegregation of society because now what we're seeing what we're seeing now is uh, we have certain groups get holidays, other groups get not holidays, and then because of that, then we have groups angry at each other, and we're starting we're essentially starting an identity politics war all over again. Well, I think that in America we have a very bad habit at cleaning the sacred cows, mm-hmm. and for a very long time, even for some conservatives, Black History Month is a sacred cow because they believe that it's a way to raise awareness about the condition of Black folks in America. I think that we have to reorient our minds, and I've called for this several times, the revolution of the mind. I want more Americans to have the same intellectual wit and grit the founding generation had. Forget the founders. Most Americans in that generation, the commoners, were incredibly literate. They had a grasp, a strong grasp of core principles and philosophy. They had a strong grasp of history. Every American household had at least one book back then in it. Sometimes it was the Bible, sometimes it was philosophy. I want Americans to begin reading things that make them think. I want Americans to begin studying philosophy. I want Americans to begin doing things that will situate them to understand what is actually happening in our society in an in-depth way. Because right now we have a political discourse which is bound and maimed by Americans' inability and unwillingness to go ahead and confront the issues beyond the surface level. It is my personal mission to push Americans beyond that and revitalize the spirit of the founding generation, which resisted something as innocuous as putting a tax on whiskey by not paying it, which then caused the government to get rid of that tax on whiskey entirely. The founding generation in this country had much more grit and conviction than Americans have today. We have to get that back. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's a great point. I am... 100% 100% on board with that. We're talking with Christian Watson. He is the host of the podcast, Pensive Politics Podcast, which you can find on YouTube and any of your favorite podcasting sites as well. The big question is, uh, Christian, is how do we bring that back? Because right now the sexy thing in society is to watch the Kardashians and not mm-hmm. read a philosophy book and to get a large portion of the generation to actually start changing that mindset 
and making them think is a very difficult task. It's like trying to get a toddler to actually do the chores that you want them to do when they're kicking and screaming and throwing a temper tantrum because it's much easier to sit and eat a bag of Cheetos and watch the Kardashians. So how do we get that? How do we get this movement started? You don't undo 100 plus years of damage in 10 years or five <laughs> years. And that's, and that's the thing. America has been getting beat up over the head by progressivism since the late 1880s, early 1900s. And so you can't get rid of that in 10 years. What you can do, however, is start building a, start building a, a, a bench, so to speak, of people in the culture who will be able to fight back against it. You can start doing that, for example, by, um, you know, these boycotts that we've seen are a very good example. The boycotts, even though people may not may just see them as voting with their dollars and fighting back against the liberals, the boycotts actually are a form of the public exercising corrective, exercising a veto against certain corporations doing things. Well, public vetoes, especially in the free market economy, are actually quite effective and quite powerful in changing culture. So if you give people the tools and then you inform them about how to use those tools, that will go a very long way in winning us a lot of these cultural battles. But the informing people about how to use the tools is the important part. I think that more politicians and more conservative personalities in the media, myself included, we have to do a better job at telling our audiences why our values matter, why they mean something, and why they are the correct values. Because many people, just when they agree with something, they don't actually critically analyze it. They just say, oh, I agree with this. This is good. And we just tuck it away in our, in our mind. I've done this myself several times. It's not a good habit. We have to know why we believe what we believe so that when it comes time to fight and stand for what we believe, we can actually do it. We can do it with conviction. Who was it? It was uh, uh, one of the country singers. You've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. I mean, that's what it's all about in society. And it's very true. We have to not only live the life and lead by example based on the family values, but we also have to know how to defend them and why we do what we do. It's good to challenge things. And I always encourage everybody to challenge and question everything because we need to learn on how to think, not what to think. So we have to challenge everything. But at the same time, that leads us down the road of, understanding why we do what we do and being able to defend it as well. Christian, we got to take a hard break here. Can you stick over one more segment? Yes. Awesome. I love it. I want to continue this conversation. It's a fascinating one. You mentioned the boycott that American consumers are doing to some of these woke companies. We have the total number and market value that you've made a difference on in the market. We'll do that when we come back. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, darn right it is. Welcome back into the program. Last few minutes of the show. Boy, it goes by way too fast. Hey, I want to remind you, not tomorrow this weekend, but next weekend, our official launch. Now, this radio show is on, again, about six radio stations, six, seven radio stations. Next weekend is our official launch of our nationally syndicated radio program. June 24th. More information to come. Stations that'll be joining. We'll have that announcement coming up as well. Really big. I mean, we're talking good stuff there, right? And I think we're going to make it big league. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're doing. So uh, more information to come, but next week's the week, man. Also, I have some really exciting news that we'll announce on Monday as well uh, with some other things that we are working on and where you can find us 
with the Voice of Reason. All right, we've got a few minutes left here. We're hanging out with Christian Watson. He is the host of the Pensive Politics Podcast. You can find him on YouTube. You can find him on other podcasting outlets as well. And as we talk about your boycott, fighting against this LGBTQ, whatever woke community that's just ramming it down your throat and saying, take it and you're going to enjoy it. We're pushing back. We're fighting back and you're making an impact. You are. I know sometimes it doesn't feel like it. Sometimes you don't hear about it, but pat yourself on the back because unfortunately in a society where we now have to have a segregated economy from wokeness and non-wokeness with this absurd low uh, low IQ leveled argument of uh, identity politics, you know much how, how much I despise talking about identity politics, race, color, gender, all this other garbage. I don't care. I just don't care about it. Well, you're making a difference because according to Axios.com, the total market value that you have impacted on all of the major woke companies that have made some major decisions, including uh, Kohl's, including Target, and Anheuser-Busch, that includes uh, Coors, now, or uh, I'm sorry, Bud Light. Now, just to be aware, Modelo has taken the number one slot for the beer company, or at least the beer, number one beer being sold in the nation. That is still an Anheuser-Busch product. So while Anheuser-Busch may have lost Bud Light to be the number one sold, Corona, or uh, Modelo, I'm sorry, Modelo has taken the number one slot, and that is still an Anheuser-Busch product. So if you're going to boycott, at least be consistent about it and not purchase the same thing just in a different flavor from the same corporation. But nonetheless, you're still making an impact. Total between all those three companies, Kohl's, Anheuser-Busch, and Target, we have affected the market by $28 billion with a B. Yeah. And Christian, I mean, that's that's amazing. That is a huge statement right there. When we can affect three corporations, essentially, plus, you know, the odds and ends here and there, in a $28 billion manner with consumers saying, yeah, we're not going to take this anymore with your propaganda that you're shoving down our throat. Yeah, it's wonderful. But what would be, what would be even more wonderful is we could, if we could channel that, if we could understand that that's a tool we have in our, our toolkit, mm-hmm. then we can channel that into understanding the importance of that tool and other tools in society as well. It can also be used to help uh, us win this cultural war. And so I think that you know these boycotts should give us a lot of hope, as I was saying before the break, because they do show us that public corrective does work. Public veto does work, at least over corporations and businesses, no matter how big or how lumbering they are. But what, what doesn't work is when we only have these short battles and we have no firm base of operations mm-hmm. and we keep running around the battlefield, fighting battle to battle, putting out fire and fire without actually having a strong moral foundation to fall back upon when the enemy does indeed advance towards our lines and begins firing at us as they are doing on several different fronts. If you, if you go from fire to fire and you put out all these fires, you will undoubtedly miss the fires that you cannot get to. So I think that we have to understand what our moral foundation is, what our values are, why we believe we believe, how we can justify that yeah. through sound reason and philosophy. And that's really, I'm not just saying this because I think that it's different and cool. I'm saying this because this is what our founders did. Our founders weren't men that just decided, you know what, the king is such a tyrant. I hate the king. I'm just going to overthrow him. <laughs> no. They had, they had several grievances they wrote, wrote out, pages long, explaining the violations the king made against them. And they justified that, not with personal indignation and righteous anger. They justified that by appealing to natural law philosophy, yeah. which they understood by reading the classics, by reading people like Cicero and John Locke. 
we have to have a strong foundation if we're going to win the war. That's the message. I am right there with you, brother. We need to get back to understanding how to actually fight this and fight it for the long term and stick with something. You're right. It can't just be a fad that goes away in a couple of years like, oh, okay, well, we're going to go back to just going back into our old habits. I mean, these guys did a tea party based on a 2.5% tax increase on sales tax for guns and tea uh, back then, which is what started a lot of what we see and the freedoms we get to enjoy today. We're out of time, brother. I could go down the road so much longer with you and talk about ESG and how this ties in and so much more as well. Christian, we got to get you back on the show again here soon. What do you say? Absolutely. I'm 100%. Hey, I love it. I appreciate it, brother. Have a great weekend. We'll get you back on again soon. Until then, podcast up in a little bit. We're back at it on Monday. Until then, be your own voice of reason. Be that catalyst for change. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.